Welcome to Super Together. I'm James Cochran. And I'm Ginger Rothis. And for the first time in three months, we're, yeah. <laughs> we're in the same room. Uh, we're six feet apart. Um, I tested it with my trusty six-foot board. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, we're both in the process of reopening our offices, mm-hmm. uh, meeting with people in person, taking a number of different precautions. And so mm-hmm. um, we're going to you know, try doing this in person, which adds a whole different vibe it does. Um, to the to the recording process. But as we were thinking about what we were going to chat about today, I um, have been in the process of realizing how dumb I am, um, <laughs> by which I mean, like, I want to be an expert, right? The whole idea of this podcast is that ginger and i are experts on relationships that we know things that other people don't know and we're supposed to be telling people those things um and and maybe to a degree that's true um yeah but um but this is a um this is new territory for all of us and so and when i say this and the new territory that i'm referring to is a global pandemic um black lives matter the you know larger cultural movements to um, fight systemic racism in a way that is probably more um, effortful um, uh, for most folks than it has ever been, at least in our lifetimes. And, uh, you know, figuring out what it means to be in relationships, both, you know, the romantic relationships that we occupy, um, the Facebook relationships that we have, um, and uh, kind of everything in between. So, Really, we're just going to kind of answer the question, what are we learning right now? Um, what are the you know, teachable moments that we find ourselves um, you know, entering? And uh, we figured we'd just kind of go from there, um, see where that takes us, and see if uh, we are able to glean any insights from that uh, learning process. Anything you'd add to that, Ginger? Yeah. Um, I think that I'm trying to navigate all of those um, really carefully, it seems. I think that I just nerves are frayed in a whole new way. Um, I'm seeing it within my household and um, with clients. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think there's just this heavy air that we're all breathing right now. And and so many people have said to me, I I don't know what's wrong with me, that Mm. statement. And I'm like, I think we're all saying that. And I'm not sure there's something wrong with any of us. I think it's just the air we breathe seems really heavy and I think we're questioning what's wrong with me because we've just never felt like this before and and there is a there's a lot to carry the this heaviness is the best word I can find for um, uncertainty right now of mm-hmm. there's no end in sight um, with the pandemic in fact you know I had the news on for the first time in probably maybe a week I don't mm-hmm. think I watched it this weekend and Um, numbers are spiking and numbers Mm -hmm. are rising. And I thought, you know, I'm trying not to turn this stuff on so that I can be a peaceful presence to those around me. But um, it's hard. It's hard to be, even with that intention, it's it's still hard to navigate all of this. Yeah. My wife, the past few days, has just been saying, everything just feels so heavy. Exactly. Um, You know, it is a, I was telling Ginger, I've been biking to work. You'll probably recall from the episode where we had Lance come on, mm-hmm. uh, where I said, "Hey, so now's 
the time to buy a new bike. Oh, that's right. right. Um, and he uh, sarcastically <laughs> said, yes, that's a great investment. They retain their value really well. Um, and I chose to interpret that as not sarcasm. And I actually did get a new bike. Um, and so Good. I've been cycling to work um, and it's an, it's an e-bike. So it's got a battery pedal assist mm-hmm. thing. Um, but I forgot to charge it. <laughs> it usually, you know, I, I get into the garage, I plug it in and then I just kind of forget about it. But I not done that um, a couple days ago when I rode. So I got on this morning, realized that it wasn't charged and um, I and riding to work was a lot harder uh, yeah. than it usually is. Um, and so I think that that is the our baseline um we're just not as charged yeah. as we normally are um, and we're dealing with harder stuff than mm-hmm. we usually have to deal with mm-hmm. um, so add that to the um just the taxing nature of being in relationship you know i um i just i feel like we are all carrying a lot of heaviness mm-hmm. and we we entered this process by having a couple of different podcasts where we talked about how do we engage quarantine with our partners well and one of the things we both named was this idea of grace Um, give your partner a lot of grace because it's a hard time and um, and I think that it is true that we are generally better at extending grace to the people in our lives um, as opposed to extending grace to ourselves Mm -hmm. Um, at least I know that that's true for me absolutely and I'm that's that's the whole reason I got into teaching self-compassion work was because that was a foreign concept to me. And I realized when I found research of 17 years of clinical data on the power of showing yourself grace um, or self-compassion or kind of this speaking kinder to yourself, the power of that, I, I, it was such a revelation to me mm-hmm. because I had always thought beating myself up made me better. And I think... Um, and the research shows the opposite is true. But I think we're in, in this time of in deep introspection and reconciliation with our own biases and, and beliefs. And so many things are coming to the surface that um, grace is really, really important to be sure. paying attention to right now. Grace for each other, grace for people different than us, um, whether that's in opinion or um, class or race or religion. Um, or gender, and then also grace for ourselves that we're all learning a lot, and um, we need to continue to have that open mind, open heart kind of approach to everything right now. Yeah. So one thing that we're learning is how right we were in lifting up grace as sort of an essential (laughs) virtue uh, toward ourselves and toward other people. One of the things that I think I'm learning, and it's and it's really just sort of coalescing for me now as we prepare to have this conversation, is this idea of timing, mm-hmm. of being intentional about how we bring things to people, um, put things forward for ourselves. So my, I used I worked for a nonprofit, um, kind of in a part time capacity at one time, and we had a Wednesday meeting with all the different people, maybe about 20 people that were part of the team. And morale was just like really low. Everybody was having a rough time. Um, Kind of a a typical atmosphere of everybody is doing um, the very most that they can and there aren't a lot of resources to support that effort. Um, And so, you know, as a result, everybody was feeling kind of rough. 
Um, and our executive director was particularly beleaguered, just felt very kind of at her wits end in terms of how to navigate the process. Um, and, um, she said, Hey, so let's, let's brainstorm ideas, things that we can do to try to help close this energy gap, get to a place where we're, um, you know, making the most of the resources that we have. Um, now my team and I had been working on a, you know, multi-page, um, sort of a proposal that said, Hey, here's how we'd like to sort of rethink the way that we do our work, um, in a way that would, um, you know, make better use of our time, sort of rearrange some responsibilities to some different members of the team that allows us to focus on things that are more within our skill set and giftedness. Um, and so we submitted that on Wednesday. Um, on Thursday, we got asked to come into a meeting on Friday. And on Friday, we came into the meeting, we all got fired. Wow. <laughs> um, which was a pretty traumatic experience. Yes. Um, you know, the, the, the claim that was made was that we were refusing to do our jobs. Mm. Um, and, uh, when in reality, most of what we were doing is just saying, we, you know, we have some ideas about how we could do this differently. But what I learned from that experience and what I feel like I'm finding to be true in this experience is that even if everything that I said was right, um, there was probably a better time than mm. a time when my executive director was very, very stressed, dealing with a broad morale problem mm -hmm. um, to, introduce, to introduce a concept that was probably more than what she was asking mm -hmm. for. Um, you know, and so I think that there is a, um, there are ways to, um, there are lots of, lot, lot is being asked of us, both with how we participate in allyship and, and in the sort of broader systemic racism uh, challenges that are being put forward. And with the global pandemic and how that sort of puts demands on all of our relationships. Um, and so I think that we owe it to ourselves in spaces like those to say, um, is this the right time? Is this the right place um, for me to begin this challenge? I had a friend that posted a video online um, that I had some issues with and um, I wrote out a four page response that sort of went through all the different points in that video. And, uh, my wife, I walked into the room, I told her, I was like, okay, so, so I'm supposed to this video. I have some reactions. It's four pages long. And she kind of just helped me walk through this idea, one of introducing grace, but also this idea of like, um, is this the best way? Is this the best mm -hmm. forum? Like, is there a different mm -hmm. way to approach this? Um, and so I think that there is a, um, that if we start to look through moments like this and say, um, there's a right thing to do for sure, mm -hmm. but there's also a right time to do that right thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and especially at any given moment when we might have our anxiety really heightened because mm -hmm. of all the things that we're dealing with. Um, I think that there's a lot of value to asking the question, you know, is now the right time? Mm -hmm. uh, would it be better to wait till tomorrow? Is there a different context that would make more sense? So just a lot of curiosity and question asking going into the how we have um, discussions that can be especially challenging as opposed to just saying, well, now's as good a time as any. Mm -hmm. Like that that whole phrase, I think we could just sort of park for this current season. Now's as good a time as any I don't think is true most of the time in the context of our uh, time of social unrest and uh, global pandemic. I don't know if you have any thoughts. Yeah, I just that. thought of a, a funny story playing out in our home right now. It's a it's light compared to the weight of the world. But um, 
my daughter who's 13 and she wants her room to switch to where Rob's office is currently located. Mm -hmm. So she's been lobbying for this for a while. Um, And so when summer break started, um, you know, to her, it makes complete sense that now is the time. I have waited for this and I have a vision. And so we should execute that. Well, her moving into that room means a major upheaval to the way the house, you know, reorganizing the whole upstairs. And Rob is deep in the food industry during the pandemic, which um, anybody in the food industry knows this has been a very busy time to try to get um, items into grocery stores for people. So um, she can't understand why this is Mm -hmm. not a good time. So I pulled her aside and we had this discussion that you're, you're just reminding me of, of knowing when it's a good time um Mm. in her mind in her self-absorbed 13 year old mind right it's always a good time when it's a good time for her and um so we've just had these conversations about like consider what your dad has been doing consider you know the the bigger picture here and you will probably get this like Mm. we've been talking about it we just need to make a plan and we need to make sure that we're pacing it and that it's appropriate and um you know so I think that you just reminded me as she learns that lesson I have to learn that too and I think we see that sometimes with um you know the changes we long for in society and why can't it just why can't these things mm-hmm. just happen quickly? And and we get so discouraged that things don't happen quickly um, that, you know, we do kind of have to show show grace to to the bigger picture of progress is good. And if we if we are headed in the right direction, mm-hmm. um, then, you know, that counts. And to consider how can I what can I do as an individual to move this forward without the expectation that everybody else jumps on board at the same time. Yeah. It's a, I think that the concept that there is a, um, and I may have mentioned this on the podcast before, but one of the most revelatory things that I had ever heard from a peer when it came to like my career and the pace at which I was moving through my career. I remember I had applied for a job, but I mentioned to him at the time, I was like, this is, this feels a little bit, it's kind of like a job that I would love to have, but it feels a little beyond like where I'm at right now. So I'm not very confident that I'm going to get it. Mm-hmm. And he said that he just said, yeah, it's, it's really hard to slow down to the speed of reality. Yeah. Um, mm. And that idea of the speed of reality um, of, I mean, there's, there's sort of an idealized speed that we would want to have happen. Um, but that in, but, but reality often works differently. Um, you know, I, I may have mentioned um, on the podcast that I had a sort of, you know, driveway, socially distanced happy hour with some um, uh, people in my life. Um, and we, we spent maybe two and a half hours talking about, um, you know, issues of race and, and systemic racism and how we can be anti-racist and move towards social justice. And, you know, I felt like if in that moment it felt like, man, I need to take responsibility um, for taking these people from zero to 60. Um, one, that is a huge responsibility to put on myself that's probably only going to leave me disappointed. And two, um, they're going to become increasingly frustrated if I'm trying to pull them along faster than they're comfortable being pulled yeah. along. You know, so I left, and I, and I think that in that moment I felt very um, present to that. And I left the conversation thinking, you know, um, 
one of the people I was there with, um, we'll call him um, Manuel. That's not his name. Um, I felt like, yeah, I left that conversation. You know what? I think Manuel is 1% closer to getting it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned progress. And I think mm-hmm. that um, if we just say, I want my energy to be focused on this. Now, it's mm-hmm. this, I think we can say, is probably a reflection of our privilege, mm-hmm. um, that it's easier for mm-hmm. us to say, like, yeah, speed of reality. Let's let's make sure that we're giving um, patience to how things move along. Um, if, if, if what you're talking about is the literal life or death struggle mm-hmm. of not being murdered, um, then speed of reality doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. um, offer that same level of comfort. Um, so I think that there are um, different speeds which, which, with which we should insist reality moves. There is the let's stop murdering people. We need reality to catch up. We need yeah. it to move a lot faster. Yeah. But when it comes to changing hearts and minds, mm-hmm. uh, I think that broadly speaking, we can ask ourselves to have more patience, not just with ourselves, but with the people we're in relationship with. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned this idea of, you know, the um, self-absorbed 13-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that for me is, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a self-absorbed mm-hmm. uh, 30-something, I'll say. <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. one of the things that I, I coach couples on all the time, and I have to remind myself and my wife of this with some frequency, is one of the ways that fights can start out of nowhere is when, um, you know, you get home and you just start unloading all the different mm-hmm. things that you're struggling with right then and there. Um, I'm frustrated by this. I'm frustrated by that. This annoys me. That annoys me. And without paying attention to how prepared your partner is to receive that. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we we would love it if our partners were sort of always ready to receive us at our most anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happens when our partners are equally anxious? What happens when they're more anxious? Um, and so there is a... Um, other focusedness, which is not a word, um, a selflessness maybe, um, that has to happen, I think, in relationships where we have to um, kind of check in with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's what's interesting is um, this, I think, is a reflection of what I am encouraged to see a lot of people doing with the pandemic, um, is it's not just, um, hey, everybody come over. Um, really what you're thinking about is, you know, what steps what precautions do we need to take to accommodate the person who is least comfortable Mm -hmm. you know the person who maybe is immunocompromised or has an underlying Mm -hmm. condition Mm -hmm. um you know and so we just had my daughter's fifth birthday party um, and because there are people in our family who are immunocompromised we had you know um everybody was wearing masks we had chairs set up you know far apart we we were playing games that sort of allowed us to maintain some uh, healthy social distance um and now, other people might have been comfortable with something else, but again, that other focusedness kind of shifts the way that mm-hmm. you engage. Um, and so it's a good practice to be in, I think, of saying like, well, there's there's a speed or preference or opinion that I have that I would want to bring to the table, but what would it be like to consider the other person's experience um, really prior to that engagement? Mm-hmm. Um, because when you're trying to do that after the fact sometimes you're already in conflict some you know things have already kind of gotten out of source like if your daughter just started moving stuff right exactly. um, how distressing (laughs) like you know how distressing that would be you know um to not have been considered in that way in the same way that um you know my if my wife just says hey here are all the things that i'm frustrated about it's like well i i don't have the ability or energy to to support you in this moment now maybe half an hour from now i will Uh, but let's make sure that those considerations are happening i think yeah so rob and i um have both been kind of operating it um 
a high level of intensity lately and just very, very busy. And so the other, well, so last night, when are we recording this? Thursday. Okay, so two nights ago, we um, were going to go on a walk together to spend time and talk. Well, it was humid and hot, and we each had a dog, and the dogs kept getting tangled. And um, it was just kind of this irritant in the mm-hmm. air, right? We were just irritated with each other. One of us would lead, and then, I, you know, in my opinion, he was walking too slow. So then I passed him, and then, um, you know, it was just, you could just feel it. And we kept saying, like, what's wrong? What's, are you okay? What's going on? I'm fine. I'm fine. It was that kind of a walk, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, then, you know, so this intention to have time together, it wasn't good timing. Mm-hmm. It, um, we were, we both just should have sat in air conditioning and, yeah. and enjoyed each other more. But so then last night, um, I said, do you want to go on a walk? And I could tell he was like, yeah. And I <laughs> said, I don't think you do. And he was like, no, we should. I'm like, no, we, that word should <laughs> doesn't feel right. So, I, and he's a golfer and hasn't golfed for a while. So I was like, why don't you spend the evening, go golf, walk by yourself. Um, just do that. And he, I could tell he felt guilty. So I was saying, no, you have to do this for your soul. And I took a walk by myself. We both spent time alone. Um, we both came back better people to each mm-hmm. other. And I think it was just this example of like, you know, there was this pressure that we spend time together, but it just wasn't the right timing. And yeah. what we really needed was just some space and and some quiet processing alone. And he needed to feed his soul with being outside and walking and golfing and not talking to anybody. And I'd had a lot of client conversations and so I think that's why I was irritated the night before because I had just processed a lot all day and and you know so I think there is this in our in our romantic relationships and the people we live with there is this really kind of heavy air also of we've been together a lot and we've been on top of each other a lot and there's no end in sight and we're all working from home for the most part and and, you know, back to, circling back to grace, this idea that um, giving each other space mm-hmm. is is a form of grace. Yeah. To me, it's a, um, you know, I've heard the expression a lot, you know, we're all in this together and there's a, and I think that there's a lot of truth to that. Um, but I think what you're pointing to is the idea that we are also individuals mm-hmm. um and in in clinical terms we we talk about like differentiation and enmeshment mm-hmm. um and when we're enmeshed it means that like there is no um if you can think about people who you know um maybe you're like tangled in a net yes. together you know that is what the enmeshment is it's like no matter how hard you try it's like you feel like you can't you can't move without affecting the other person exactly. Um, and differentiation is saying, well, I can be me and you can be you. Mm-hmm. Um, and my well being is not dependent on your well being and mm-hmm. vice versa. And when you're in a context where you're seeing each other so often, it mm-hmm. can be difficult to um, really confront the reality that, oh, we maybe shouldn't be seeing each other as often as we're seeing each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, um, I remember probably, um, I can't remember, just several years ago now. Um, I went and saw a therapist and, um, we were just working through some of the things I I felt really stressed. I couldn't really understand why. Um, and one of the things that we identified, um, was that Lindsay was not working so much. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, you know, she had been put on call a lot and she had, um, and she was, I think, and then she had a baby. Um, so she was sort of off work. 
And, um, you know, this was all pre pandemic stuff, but one of the things that I came away thinking was, okay, I had been used to her going into work once a week and I would take that time to, you know, play video games or read Mm -hmm. a book or, you know, do something that was, uh, life giving for me. Mm -hmm. And then that gets taken away. Um, and now my, my capacity, my rhythm is sort of thrown off. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's, we're all in this phase of like, um, enmeshment is our default. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be really intentional about creating differentiated space where we're able to say, what time are you taking for yourself? Mm -hmm. Um, my wife and I have actually incorporated that into our weekly family meetings where we pull out our, when we do our calendars and we say, okay, I've got these appointments on these days. And, um, you know, you've got, this going on this time Mm -hmm. we say okay well when are we going to do our Mm self-care you know when are we going to have our time where we don't have to be responsible for the kids where we don't have to be responsible to each other um and those are just like the scheduled times i mean we have times beyond that i think but um i think that that space is saying um to the to the partner like i i see you i recognize your needs for individual space Mm -hmm. um and doing our very best and really this probably applies to everything we've been talking about but, but trying not to take things personally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I don't want to spend all day every day with my wife, um, I should feel the freedom to say that, you yes. know, without feeling exactly. like I, I'm not saying I don't love my wife or right. I don't want to spend time with her. Um, but there, there needs to be some measure of space, mm-hmm. um, so that we can, um, you know, restore that sense of individuation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so as I'm thinking about recapping some of these, um, grace, consideration space timing mm-hmm. um one of the things that i think you were um com- you use the word should and, mm-hmm. and the, the problems with the word should yes and i'm thinking one of the things that's come up in our our home is um kind of expectation management mm-hmm. um you know just um how we want things to be versus how things end up sort of being mm-hmm. um you know i uh um i got we had been collecting sticks um, just from our yard for a long, long time. And it was getting to the point and we had been putting them in this, this uh, fire pit that we have. And it got to the point where, okay, the fire pit's like way too full. We can't put any more sticks in here. Um, and so for this socially distanced happy hour, I brought out, you know, a match and I was about to light it. Um, and so I had an expectation about what this was going to be like. Um, and my uh, stepdad said, that's going to be a lot bigger than you think it is. <laughs> um, and he's like, he's like, it's going to go, it's going to burn fast, but it's going to be huge. Mm-hmm. He was absolutely right. Um, <laughs> but the, but the consequences of that were like, everybody had to like move their chairs <laughs> and get away from this thing. Cause it was so much bigger than ever. And, you know, putting off so much heat and it was like already 90 degrees outside. Um, you know, mm-hmm. but it was, um, so I'm just thinking about this idea of expectation mm-hmm. versus reality and the ways in which we, um, you know, if I had no expectations about that fire, mm-hmm. um, then my life more readily adapts to it mm-hmm. um, as opposed to, you know, I really want it to look this way um, and then it ends up being something different. Um, I think it becomes more challenging to, um, you know, to navigate our experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think that reminded me of you saying your work experience with morale being low. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we are we're expecting things to maybe work better than they do right now Mm -hmm. because we need some joy and we need some happiness and you were excited to sit around a fire and this idea of expectations reminds me of your work experience that you shared with morale being low and energy being low and I think that when you know we're all kind of operating at a low morale right now I feel um at least the people that I'm in contact with where it's that heaviness Mm -hmm. um 
And so these expectations become, you know, we hold on to them to find some joy and some um, something to look forward to right now. And, and so it's understandable that our expectations are high. We have a vision for how things might go and it might make us happy if it goes this way. And, and we're kind of clinging to things maybe in a way that um, is a little more desperate than we mm-hmm. have before because of the air we're breathing. Um, but I think if we all kind of recognize, oh, that's why I'm doing that. And mm-hmm. you know, morale is low and I do, I do need something to bring me joy. I do need to look forward to something. I need to create something. Um, you know, that, that's the self-awareness that helps us um, manage those expectations and manage the expectations with our partners and with our families, with our friendships. Um, you know, you opened the episode with kind of Facebook relationships, social media relationships that are tense and heavy right now, too. And, you know, this idea of just kind of understanding that as a, as a nation, as a, as a globe even, but especially in our nation, morale morale is low our energy is low we're mm-hmm. we're not charged like we normally are and with energy and and you know not to add to the heaviness but use it as a consideration of um and and recognizing what you, what you need as an individual so that you are a better partner yeah i think that what one of the things that we could do to tie all of these things together is just to say like it's okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, and that's, and that is, I think the, the broad language of grace, mm-hmm. um, grace toward ourselves and grace toward others. Um, that a lot of these things we're going to be doing imperfectly. Um, and so much of what makes our relationships hard is when we try to translate, um, sort of typical ways of being into an atypical context. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like, well, usually I would respond to a person in this way. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that's usually fine, but this isn't a usual time. Um, And so I think it bears recognizing that we say, as we approach a lot of these different situations, um, how is this different? How is this time different? And and how might that ask something different of me um, in this moment? And when things don't go well, because they won't, I think lots of us have examples of how things have not gone well in the space of, um, you know, quarantine and, um, you know, the national movement that we're in. Um, How do I extend grace toward myself? How do I learn from that experience? I mean, that's part of what I am, and what I appreciate about the exercise we're doing right now is um, we're we're taking time to figure out what are we learning? What what am I? What am I? how is this becoming a transformative experience for me? Um, you know, one of the things I've learned about myself individually is like, I really need discipline. Like without discipline, like I kind of devolve into, um, you know, I, like a, uh, I don't know, a third grader on a school day, mm-hmm. you know, life is just, just misery and chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, not to say that there aren't third graders on school days who are very well disciplined and kind of do their thing, but, but that's what it's been like for me. And so, um, even introducing those kinds of things artificially or maybe a better word than artificially is intentionally um, saying that we have to um, expect the unexpected. We have to plan for things to not go well and to not be okay and recognize how are we going to do some of these things differently. Yeah. And I think this transformative experience kind of seeing that as this is an opportunity for that. um, That's where I have hope. I mean, I really think the last 
I'm losing track of time, five months, um, mm-hmm. three months, four months, is really a, an opportunity that we all kind of raise our consciousness of compassion. Mm-hmm. We really are waking up to some things that we may have been sleeping through and not paying attention to, um, both with the quarantine time and the, the, the downtime, so to speak, as well as um, the illumination of deep, deep racism and and, and even, you know, all kinds of biases that I think we're all uncovering right now. Um, so this idea of raising our consciousness and, and becoming more compassionate people really does give me hope, even even though the, the path is, you know, we're still in it. We're still mm-hmm. in the heaviness. But um, I really do see an opportunity for deep, deep learning coming out of this. Yeah, no, I agree. It is a... Um you know, it's, um, it's the transformative power of great mm-hmm. suffering. Yeah. Um, as, uh, my, my friend Richard Rohr would say, yes. uh, most of the people in my life want me to quote, quote Richard Rohr less, um, <laughs> which just makes me want to quote him more. I'm good with it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I think that that, um, yeah. that's a, a, probably as solid a place as any to end. Yes. Um, I think that if we were going to package all this up together it's you know find grace for yourself in the recognition that it is not an okay time mm-hmm. and that that not okayness is okay yeah, <laughs> um, it's, exactly. it's it's fine to to live in that space yeah. um to live with extra intentionality and consideration consider how things might need to look different um, in a space like this mm-hmm. i think that that'll wrap us up for today ginger you got anything else that no, you're learning sounds good are you watching any like Good TV. I'm not right now. I need something. Do yeah. you have a recommendation? Well, we just finished watching Schitt's Creek. Yes, we um, did too. We got I caught up that. with it on, uh, I think there's so an additional season. Oh, it's great. Um, and uh, right now I am um, I'm reading a couple of books. Um, I am um, reading uh, How to Be an, How to be Anti-Racist, How to mm-hmm. Be an Anti-Racist by mm-hmm. um, Ibram X. Kendi, mm-hmm. um, which is terrific um, and a um, a really great uh, primer on all of the different ways that racism has sort of seeped into the way we do life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm, I'm enjoying that. Um, yeah, we're working our way through some lists like that too in our family and the, the hate you give, we did just mm-hmm. watch it's a, it's a powerful movie. Yeah, they yeah. started really great discussions with our kids. Um, and, um, and it was interesting to chase had read the book, my 15 year old in school. And, um, afterwards he said, you know, the, that was a watching the movie was a lot more violent than I pictured it in the book. Mm. And I thought, yeah, buddy, that's kind of, you know, what it's like, like we, we can't imagine, um, how horrific some of this is. And so I thought that was a really great lesson to all of us that, you know, even when we read these things, um, the lived experience is different. Absolutely. I, uh, Lindsay and I watched, we did kind of like a two night, um, Mm -hmm. marathon where we watched 13th, the documentary, uh, by Ava DuVernay. Yes. I think I pronounce her name. And then the next night we watched Just Mercy, Mm -hmm. um, which was the exact right order to watch it in, uh, because we watched Just Mercy with the frame of reference for, um, you know, the criminalization of, uh, of of the African-American population in the United Mm -hmm. States and the ways in which, um, you know, that has led to their, um, to the relegation, um, of people of color to a second class status and how that's, um, 
you know, unfolded. And then we learned that the um, primary character, Brian, I forget his last name, um, in Just Mercy was one of the um, contributors to the documentary, was like featured in the documentary, you know, articulating some of the points that were um, there. So it was a a really interesting kind of two-night experience. So that's something I would recommend Mm -hmm. to folks do. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that'll wrap it up for us today on Super Together. Um, If you like the show, consider rating us, leaving a review or sharing with a friend. It helps people um, get connected to the show. If you're looking for more information about me and my practice, you can go to talkingwithjames.com. And um, for Ginger's practice, you can go to compassionfix.com. Are you going to start talking about yourself? In yeah, the third I did. Person? I noticed that. I'm like, oh, yeah. So I am her. Yes, <laughs> yeah. connecting with myself. That's okay. my work. Great, great. <laughs> I think that'll do it for us. We will uh, touch base with you all next week. Be well. Be well.